0: I want to read a scripture to you now out of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. You may be seated and listen to it carefully. It says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Say that word triumph, if you will. Thanks be unto God, which causes us to triumph in Christ. And maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. You see, until we have victory in Jesus, we really can't communicate. That bumper sticker that says, Jesus is the answer, uh, you know, it won't do it. It's not enough. They're going to look at who's sitting in that car. That lapel pin that says... Try Christ, or, or trust God, or any of the other beautiful little sayings that we can advertise the faith with. And they're all good and worthy, but they're going to look past all of that. And they're going to look at you, and they're going to look at me. And unless we have victory in our life, we're not going to be able to communicate His savor. To anybody else. Number one, they're not going to let us. Number two, they're not going to ask us. They're not even going to give us the opportunity. The Bible said if we're walking in victory, to absolutely be ready instant in season, out of season. You didn't go out to witness, but there's an opportunity to do witness because someone has come and their heart is open and God has made a divine appointment. And they've seen something in you that drew them to you. And it's his, it's his, it's, it's 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 him in you and him in me. Praise God. It's not just our religious self, it's Christ. Maketh it manifest the savor of of his knowledge by us. In every place. That means the the fragrance of him. When you leave a room, my wife, you all, many of you have bought her some wonderful perfume. I love it. Her doctor loves it. She put on something. You got her. It's good perfume. It's more probably than she would get for herself. And she wore it to the the doctor's office. And he said, that smells so good, Mrs. Venable. I'm going to just take you and sit you in every room. Use her like potpourri. Amen. There'll be another fifty dollars, right, for, for this. <laughs> the fragrance of Him, the savor of Him, something about you that that. that That is more than you. It's Jesus within you and Jesus within me. And people, when they see us loving Him and serving Him and following Him, and it's real in our life and it's real in our heart, it draws people, it draws their attention. In fact, the Bible said that we become, when we have that kind of triumph in Christ, that victory in Christ, we become a city that is set on a hill... Which cannot be hid. You don't have to try to witness. You don't have to try to get people to notice uh, uh, something in us. I remember I was in a a Holy Ghost service, which most of ours are. And there's a residue of anointing that stays on you when you leave. Amen. It really, really does. And we, we went straight from a Holy Ghost service at the old Holy Church of God in Sulphur Springs to the Burger King to get a milkshake and french fries. That's something sweet to quit off on. Praise God. Amen. We shouldn't be eating either one, but that's back when we were young and we could handle it. Just like John, he can handle it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So we went to to the Burger King and there was a... A lot of other churches evidently got out when we did. They must have held late too, because there was a line, and there was just—you know—we were five deep waiting at one register, and they were six deep at the other register. And there's people all over the place, and—and and I had already preached and sweated and—and and, and frothed and. So I got off the froth and had my tie off and had my collar unbuttoned, my shirt out, and my sleeves rolled up to my elbows so I could cool off and cool down. Looking forward, I wasn't thinking about witnessing or being a witness or anything else or anybody perceiving that I was a church person. I had off my coat. I had off my tie. And my hair was kind of must, and, and I, probably looked like <laughs> I probably looked like I'd kind of, you know, because when, when I get done preaching, a lot of times I'm, I perspire. In fact, I sweat. <laughs> I, 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 didn't feel, I didn't feel like John looks right now, like, like he's, he's apt to preach and teach. <laughs> I just felt like a, another guy in line waiting on, my, waiting, on my, waiting on my food and my something sweet to quit off on. And there's a young lady, she happened to be a young black lady, could have been a white lady, but she was a young black lady waiting on me, and I just waited and waited, and when I walked up there and I placed my order, she said, you're spirit-filled. And I said, what? She said, aren't you? Aren't you spirit-filled? I said, yes, I am. <laughs> Amen. Well, you know, same thing happened to them. Y'all were, y'all were just eating, minding your own business down at, down at Golden Corral. Amen. Hey man, you didn't have your mind on being prophesied over or sharing the faith or somebody recognizing that you're Christian necessarily. I mean, a lot of church people in there, but you know, this guy comes up and he talks up a conversation and before you know, a prophecy is given and, and there's, just a, there's a connection. You see, when you walk in victory, when you have victory in your personal life, you don't have to advertise that victory. There's something about it that lets Jesus shine through. Did you know everybody in here is a saint of God? Everybody in here. I miss Elizabeth Baldry. I look right back here for her. And there's only him. And I used to pick on her back here. And he's too big for me to pick on. So I miss Elizabeth. I can't wait to get to heaven to pick on her some more. And she can't wait for me to get to heaven because she loved it when we, when we had that kind of a personal relationship. Amen. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember at her funeral, my part down at the end after the scriptures had been brought by another pastor that also knew her family. But when it came my turn, it was Psalm 116, where it said, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of Of his saints. And we were going to talk a while, but we didn't talk too long. But about death from God's perspective of one of his children. Somebody that belongs to him. It changes everything, Sean. It's entirely different. What a a contrast of terms. Death used in the same sentence with precious. It's not precious to us. It's sorrowful. It's hurtful. My wife and I, as we age, we look at one another. We got married at 16 and 14. Didn't rob the cradle, jumped in it with her. Can you say amen? Amen. We got married too young for our marriage to last. And our marriage would not have lasted the pressure of responsibilities. We didn't get to date. We didn't get to go to the prom. We were taking care of babies and changing diapers. And and I was skipping meals uh, so I could buy baby food and milk to take home for my baby. Amen. I got emaciated to a degree and i got run down and uh, had to go to the doctor and and uh, it was all about just not eating enough food i don't know if any of you've ever been in that kind of condition but we sat down to some meals when we first got married because when you get married at 16 and 14 you know what most people say you did this crazy thing you're on your own we're not supporting you. We're not helping you. And uh, after a while, my mama began to help a little bit. And what she could, because she was poe, she couldn't do much. Everybody know what poe means? Amen. Anybody been there? It means what it says. Amen. We were poor. We were, we were poor to the degree that I they would say, Robert, it's time to go to lunch. You want to come to lunch with us? and i would say no no i do I, i'm not hungry well i was lying i was starving and i was getting weak because now it's time to eat something and and i would i would go in the back at a win-dixie store where i worked at part-time stock and bagging and and unloading trucks and you unload a truck without anything on your stomach uh, you in, in, in that back room, uh, stacking those bales of sugar, you know that when they came down out of that truck, stacking them up and then standing on the stack to stack them to the roof and it, it, even a young man can start to to see those lights and get light headed and I would go in the back and get day old bread that we we had to burn that bread we couldn't we couldn't they didn 't give it away, we had to put it in the incinerator, and they had raisin bread and they had wheat bread, and I would go back. And I would get raisin bread because the raisins were in it and a little bit of frosting on top. And I'd eat about six slices of raisin bread. And then I'd go out to the water fountain and drink water uh, on top of that. And that was my lunch for the day because I had to get something from the store and take it home to my family. So I know what it is to be way, way down. But I have an appreciation now for everything. I've, oh, it's so easy for me to get up in the morning and say, thank you, Jesus. Because when you come from those kind of backgrounds and God begins to bless you, amen, I, I never ever take it for granted. Hallelujah. God has been good to your pastor and you have been good to your pastor and his wife and we appreciate every bit of it. Not looking for riches in this world, but I am declaring what i have and what you have in jesus christ today so at at Ditter's funeral at elizabeth boulder's funeral i read from the scripture precious in the sight of the lord is the death of his saints and some people that knew the the ups and the downs and the struggles that Ditter had in her personal walk with god it's no secret she had mountaintops she had valleys and she had uh intermissions in her walk i'll say it that way but she always came full circle and came back and when she came back god keeping his word he would restore he would restore he would forgive and he would restore praise god and i still miss when i get out of the car she's usually standing out front and I still miss shaking her hand, looking in her eyes, and, and, and just having that friendship. You had a friendship and fellowship relationship with Elizabeth, and I miss her. But when I said the word saint to that audience who knew the ups and downs and ins and outs, I felt that, you know, you feel things spiritually, you sense things in an atmosphere. Like I felt that comeback. And here's what I felt in my spirit that many people were thinking. I knew Elizabeth Baldry. And believe me, she was no saint. Can you say man? Because we define saint as someone that is almost sinlessly perfect. The Catholic Church pronounces someone a saint if they, they have a life of service. And someone like Mother Teresa. No, she wasn't no Mother Teresa. Oh, by the way, you're no Mother Teresa neither. But you are a saint of God if you're saved. Amen? By the blood of Christ. Oh, I'm not just talking about sisters now. You're not Brother Teresa either. Can you say, man, you're not Mother Teresa and you're not Brother Teresa. But everyone in this room that has come to Jesus Christ, the day that your sins are forgiven, God brings you into a position that no work that you can do Can bring you into. And so Paul greets the Christian community as the saints. The saints. The saints. The sanctified ones. The set apart ones. The ones that belong to God. And the one that God has so cleansed through His salvation. His sacrifice. (sighs) that we might be called not only the sons of god but also the saints of god hallelujah and precious in the sight of the lord is the death of one of his saints because he knows what occurs when it happens to a believer in christ and a truster in god you know what happens I just was asked a question from Betty. I tried to answer it five times. Five times after four days. Now we're, we're 20 days in. It came back to me. So I'm going to have to always send her an answer by mail because her somebody needs to go straighten out her uh, her machine <laughs> because it rejects what I sent. <laughs> Maybe the devil needs to be exercised from it. I don't know what it is. Amen. Probably not that. But she asked a question about... Christians and death and those that teach that there's no awareness until the resurrection. Soul sleep is what it's called. But the Bible teaches something entirely different. And it teaches it in the new covenant in particular. Because that's where we have the revelation of what happens. And what happens when a Christian dies? Paul said, I'm going to tell you exactly what happens. He said, to be absent from the body is not to be in the grave, in the ground, or in suspended animation somewhere. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment this old bone bag that holds your soul drops, you do not cease to exist until the trumpet sounds. In fact, the apostle Paul said, and listen to this carefully, he said, if this earthly tabernacle, every time I see tabernacle, I think of the church we'd like to build right up here on the high ground. Can you say, man? I think of a big edifice of some kind. But Paul was a tent maker by Trade, And he used something he was familiar with and they were familiar with. In the Greek, that word, that particular word used for the human body as an analogy, tabernacle, meant a tent. Everybody say a tent. You know, a tent is not something, I hope a tent is not something that you want to permanently live in. I don't think anyone looking for a permanent dwelling is looking for a tent. It's a temporary dwelling. And the message Paul was given was if you live out your full length of years, this is a temporary body. This is this is not the one. This is not the one that's going to be raised up incorruptible. This is the corruptible one. Oh uh, here's another news flash. This is not the immortal one. This is the mortal one. Amen. If this tent, he said was blown down by a mighty wind. And how many know a wind can blow a tent down just like that? We're vulnerable to those things except the grace of God and the eternal purposes of God. He said, but if this tabernacle was blown down by a mighty wind, if something happens to this human body, he said, we have one. We have one, a place for our spirit to go so that we're not a disembodied spirit, some kind of protoplasmic ecstasism, whatever, I'm in the Ghostbusters mode now. Can you say, man, I ain't afraid of no ghost. We used to live across from a cemetery on Lime Street in Plant City. And I can tell you right now, it's the best neighbors I have ever had. I never was afraid of them. I appreciated every one of them. Come on! They didn't. They didn't turn their boombox up at twelve o'clock at night. <laughs> Amen. They didn't rev their engine at two o'clock in the morning. They were the sweetest neighbors. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah! I'm not afraid of none of them. It's the living that bugs me. Anyway, moving right along. He said, "If a if if a mighty wind blows down this tent." He said, we have one in the heavens, not made with hands. It's not made of anything earthly. But it's there. There is a container for our soul waiting for our spirit to come into it right now in heaven. And he said, we don't want to be naked. We don't want to be a a spirit. See, that's why fallen angels became demons. Because the judgment on them was to lose their celestial body.'" And the reason they lost their celestial body as I understand it is because when they had a celestial body that could be manifest like a person there is a scripture in Genesis that said the sons of God went into the daughters of men. And they had relations with the daughters of men. And they were banned from that kind of activity. And a generation of Mutants literally came out of that, according to many scholars. Giants. You don't have them today like that. And demonized people. And God sent a flood because the wickedness of man was great. And listen to this in the New Covenant. And the angels that sinned. The angels that sinned, they were cast into chains of everlasting darkness. They lost, what did they lose? To put them into darkness where they could not express themselves. They lost that celestial body. They lost it. Because an angel with a celestial body can't get in a person. No how, no way. Only a spirit Can get inside another person. So demons are not anything God created. And yet God created the angels that fell. But the judgment on those fallen angels took away their ability to express themselves in any way. They can't feel and they can't do. And it's an awful place to be. That's why when you cast the devil out of someone. The Bible said that spirit immediately goes out into dry places. I looked up the word dry, and it's not about the desert dry. It's not about arid. The word dry in the Greek means murky darkness. It's a darkness where it's not just not just the absence of light. It, it, it's beyond that. It's something deeper than that. The Bible calls it, they were cast into outer darkness and held in chains in that place. So how did demons get here? God didn't create them, and Satan can't create anything. He's a fallen angel. He's not a god. They got here because angels held not. I'm not talking about their standing with God in heaven. I'm talking about their actual celestial body. Now, we have a celestial body in heaven. Paul said, when this earthly tabernacle was blown down, we have one in the heavens. This body, this body... In this form, we'll be raised from the dead. But God's going to do it from my DNA. He don't need... Listen, if you fall off a boat and an alligator eats you, and then the alligator crawls up on the bank and excretes you, because if he eats you, he's going to excrete you. Amen? Guess what? It has nothing to do with whether or not God can raise you up. We don't have to mummify you like Roy Rogers did his horse. Can you say, man? And somebody down in South America didn't want to let his wife go, so he had her mummified. They didn't wrap her up. They, they put her in a case where you could see her. You know, they, they preserved her body, and he kept it in his living room. Now, I love my wife. And I don't want anything to ever happen. We've been married 42 years. But I'm going to tell you right now I do not want a mummified family in my living room. Can you say man I want to think of her where she is. And I want to think of her how she is in that body that will never age and never experience pain. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine. Paul said if this earthly tabernacle were blown down, if this body drops through death, he said we have one in the heavens not made with hands. Wherefore we yearn not to be naked, disembodied with, with no sense of anything, but we yearn to be clothed upon with our Body from heaven, praise God. And awaiting the, what? the resurrection of this very body that's going to be reconstituted, whether he has your old bones or not. Saul and Jonathan were so hacked up by the enemy, you know what they had to do with them? They had to burn the pieces of them and gather the burnt bones to bury. But on resurrection morning, those who know Christ, regardless... You see, God's got your DNA. And one day the sea is going to give up the dead. How's that going to happen? When there's nothing left after thousands of years. The, 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 because God's got everybody's DNA. And he keeps track of it. The hair of your head is numbered. He's got your DNA. Praise God. What happened to the Christians that were burned up at the stake? He don't need that pile of ashes because on when the trump sounds he's got your dna and the body you had through that same dna is going to be reconstituted but it's going to come forth not like it was hallelujah it's going to come forth mortal is going to put on immortality and corruption's gonna put on incorruption, and our vile bodies that can die and hurt and get sick are gonna be fashioned after His glorious body. Can you say, man? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And while we don't see everything clearly, in fact, we look through a glass darkly, the revelation we do have by the Word of God is that when He comes in His glorified body, we're going to know Him. Because why? Because we shall be like him. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. He said, We're willing rather, knowing what we know, we're willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And once he got that revelation and once he had the realization, because he said, I knew a man. He didn't want to take credit for it, write a book about it, be, be put on a big pedestal spiritually about it. But God gave him an experience. And he, he told about it in the second person because he didn't want pride to enter in. And he didn't want to touch God's glory. He said, I knew a man. Whether in the body or out of the body, I can't determine that. But I know what happened to this man. Such a one was caught up into third heaven. I like what you sent me, amen, from, from, from the cosmos. Over in the north part of the universe, there's an area where there's, uh, it just kind of goes, well, to infinity and beyond. Can you say, man, not a lot of planets or anything. Just, it's just like a big, vast, and it's in the north part of that. I don't know exactly where heaven is up there, but I know that there's a place called Third Heaven. I know where first heaven is. It's what we can see. I know what second heaven is. It's what only those special telescopes can show scientists and astronomers. But there's a place that no rocket can get to, no astronomer can look at. There's a place called third heaven. And that's where God sits upon his throne, and the saints of God are gathered with him around that throne. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he said, such a one was caught up into third heaven and saw things that I can't even utter. Now, everybody else writes a detailed book about it, and most of those books conflict with each other's books, and a lot of them conflict with John in the book of Revelation. So, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't know because it didn't happen to me. I do know somebody that was there. Two people that was there. Amen. Paul, the apostle, and John, the revelator. So the two books I look at mostly is what Paul said and what John said. Because they were there. And what Jesus said about it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Absent from the body. He said, we, are, we, 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 we don't want to be unclothed, but clothed on with our body from heaven. And we're willing, rather. Willing. Once he had that realization and revelation, we're willing to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Some people that have got that close to home, the Lord sent them back. Why did He send them back? Why did he have to send them back Said, it's not time. Most of them have the same testimony. It's not time. you got to go back. Why did he say you got to go back? Because they didn't want to go back. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, this man caught up in the third heaven. He said, listen, if I don't have anything to do down here, and I don't have a family down here to care for, and there's no reason for me to be down there, I'd much rather be up here. And ever since he had that experience, he had such a heavenly focus in his life. He said, I, from that point on, am in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and to be what? What happens? With Christ. Which is far better. Literally, in the Greek, it reads far better there than here. See, that's why demons look for people to possess. Because they're reserved in chains of darkness. They are cast into outer darkness. They are disembodied from their celestial bodies. And the only way they can feel and the only way they can sense and the only way they can express is to enter into a human host. Angels can't go up your nose and get down in your esophagus and get near your soul somewhere. But spirits, a demon spirit, is a disembodied angel. He doesn't have a celestial body, and he can enter, and he can be cast out. Can you say, man? He can be cast out. He can be cast out. Right now, we staff our churches not with people with the power and the authority to get people delivered. We staff our churches with psychologists and psych. Oh, yes, they're Christian psychologists. I'll give them that. They are Christian psychiatrists, but they are not, they can't deal with that area. We're not equipped for spiritual warfare. And in every movie you see about the occult and demons, guess who wins? The priests never wins the preacher never wins the devil always wins but if you're following jesus he never wins 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 wins. because why because when he anointed Those first apostles to cast out devils, they were amazed. They were astounded at the authority that was vested in them to use the name of Jesus in authority. And they came back rejoicing. Woo! Why? Because demons were subject to them. And the Lord had to remind them what the real reason of rejoicing is. But let me tell you something, demons were in fact subject to them. And let's don't forget about that. Can you say, man? Demons trembled when they saw them coming. Because when one demon cried out and said, I know Jesus and I know Paul. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. 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 I'd like to think they know Robert too. Hallelujah. Because I'm a son of God, and I'm a saint of God, and I'm a child of God. And Jesus said to his servants, as my father sent me, so send I you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And how did the father send him? Acts chapter 10 is very clear. I believe it's the 10th chapter. If it's not, read them all and you'll find it somewhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what he said? It said, how God. It's what Peter preached at Cornelius' house. It's what brought the Holy Ghost down on that household. Hallelujah. And got the whole household saved. And filled with the Holy Spirit. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. That's how God sent him. How God. Oh, that's how God sent him. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. And with power. Who went about doing good. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Bible college can't give you that. Theological degree can't give you that. Only the touch of God. Jesus said, if I cast out devils by what? By what I thought? By the finger. By the finger. By the finger of God. Can you say, man, I have authority because I'm under his authority. The works are not mine, but what I see my father do. The words are not mine, but what I hear my father say. And when my father says, I want you to deliver that demoniac from the Gadarenes is with the finger of God it's God's power and God's authority God's sovereign power and authority and the demons knew it because when they saw Jesus coming they didn't just see a man with an anointing they saw someone with spiritual authority Hallelujah! and they said we know who you are why comest thou To persecute us before what our time. Let me tell you something about the devil. He's far more aware of the nearness of the coming of Christ. And the climax of the day of the Lord. He knows it's coming. He knows. In fact, in the book of Revelation. It says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth for Satan hath come down. He's not just the power of the air. He's just not limited to influence through spiritual influences. He's actually going to come down and... I believe, clearly embody the Antichrist. He won't be a demon-possessed man, it won't be an under-demon. It'll be the chief demon, the chief devil himself. Listen to me carefully. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because what? Satan has come down unto you, having great wrath, because... See, he knows he's defeated. He knows it's just a time thing. Amen. There's not going to be another fight. The fight has been fought. The battle has been won at the cross. Where that little lamb, that little lamb with the blood on it. Hallelujah. That looked like the worst defeat in the history of the church and the world. Amen. But at that cross, a cosmic victory was won. And the devil knows it was won at the cross. And there's nothing he can do about it. It's just a matter of time. So when he has the opportunity, he knows in a little while from now, I'm going to be cast into a bottomless pit. And when I get out of the bottomless pit, because everything God said has happened, and he can't stop any of it from happening. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. When I get out of that pit, then I'm going to be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. So I know I've only got a short time. A short time time. Demons are so concerned about not just being feelingless and expressionless in that murky darkness, that outer darkness that when Jesus went to cast the demons out of the demoniac of the Gadarenes a question was asked let us we know we can't resist you so at least let us go into these swine. We need something to give us expression and say, This is a terrible place to be, outer darkness. I can't feel, I can't express, I'm so they had to lose something. And when they fell from heaven, the angels that sinned, the angels that sinned. Were what? Held in chains of everlasting darkness. A disembodied angel is now the spirit. Because angels have a spirit, they live in a celestial body. Demons didn't were not created by devils or the devil because he has no creative power. He can't create nothing. He's a fallen angel. He's not a god. They were rejoicing that devils were subject to him. They thought it was a big deal. Jesus, knowing what happened in heaven, said that ain't no big deal. It ain't no big deal. First thing he told them while they were shouting about the power and authority they had, you know what he told them? He said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Remember the cartoons, remember cartoons? Da 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 Heard that go off in a store the other day, somebody had it on their phone. I wanted to give them a fist bump. That's back from my day. Amen. No, where the devil sits on one side of the shoulder, angel sits on the other side, and there's this big fight going on. And there's a knockdown drag out between light and darkness as if two equal powers are in mortal combat. I want you to know, amen, the battle between light and darkness are not equal powers. if you turned every light off of this building and covered every life source and it was so dark you couldn't see Amen. your hand in front of your face and you pulled out one of those little flashlights that you look for your keys with guess what happens to the darkness Amen? concerning that light no darkness in the world the littlest light in the world is bigger than the worst darkness that there is in this entire world can you say amen hallelujah glory to God and guess who we happen to be in this sin darkened world ye are the light of the world you're God's luminaries hallelujah and you are not children of the darkness once you come to Christ you are children of the day hallelujah you are children of the light hairdresser of my wife's that now has has me going she gives me a discount because I'm a preacher and besides that she don't have to do much to my hair. <laughs> she she said something and she said So far we've we've been blessed and knock on wood. That's one of those one of those you know, you may have been guilty of doing that because you know, people think so if I do this kind of good luck thing, I always tell people the rabbit's foot wasn't lucky for the rabbit. And you say, Man, just anyway, moving right along. But when she knocked on something wood, I said, yeah, knock on wood. She thought I was talking about me, and I was talking about her. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> but I didn't do it in an offensive way. I thought, listen, my life is not based. If I if I see a ladder set up, I never go around it. It's the principle of the thing. Because my life is not directed by spirits and, and luck and fate and You you know what I'm saying? I walk under it. If I see a black cat, I call it to me. Pet it and let it run around in front of me. If I break a mirror, I get a broom and try to get up the pieces. I don't worry. Seven years bad luck? Honey, if the devil had his way, I'd have seven minutes of devastation and destruction. If he could, he would. But there's a greater one living in me than there is in this world. Can you say, man? So he said, Don't marvel that demons are subject to you. Don't rejoice because because I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. You have just used my name, who is the absolute victor. Hallelujah. Amen. You've used my name to do what? To cast out fallen spirits that were defeated, amen, in heaven. And they're going to be defeated as on earth as soon as I hang on that cross for six hours. The devils that were defeated in heaven are going to be defeated in earth, but they're not going to be defeated by me personally but by my name in your mouth and my authority in your life. Hallelujah. In my name you shall cast out devils. In my name you shall tread on serpents. Can you say amen? I love the picture that you put on the internet He's good at it. Anointed, appointed, and anointed, <laughs> because I told the story. I preached faith, and we had a and victory, and there was a and holiness. So you can have faith in victory. Amen. So <laughs> the 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 station manager, whom years ago we were on W S O L on Kennedy Boulevard, she'd had problems with her immune system. She caught everything that's going if it's out there that people are getting it, it wouldn't be long until she got it, because she just didn't have an immune system to fight it off with. Well, she listened to the broadcast. I made it live in the studio of WSOL on Kennedy Boulevard years ago. Half a day Spanish, half a day Christian. First half Christian, second half all Spanish programming, non-Christian, but Spanish, you know, talk and music. And so she, she heard a message, about treading on serpents. She heard a message from the Bible about being seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and power. Hallelujah. And that's in the Bible. Can you say, man? We have been raised with Him and we have been seated with Him. And that word seated with Him means given joint seeding. Amen. We're not divine, but we have been placed in a position of authority that's been delegated by the one who is divine to mortal people like you and like me. That power and that authority will do us no good unless we use it against the enemy. Can you say amen? But we do have the keys to the kingdom. It's not just Simon Peter. He sent another 70 out. It wasn't just the 12 apostles with the same power and the same and they got the same results. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Amen. Bible schools do not teach anything about spiritual warfare. They'll name the devil, but they won't. They won't tell you what I'm telling you this morning. Can you say amen? Because if they did, hell would be shaking. Amen. Demons would be trembling. And churches would experience revival at some point because this thing's going to get into somebody. Sooner or later, somebody's going to say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of being defeated by the enemy. I want to get a look at the backside of the devil for a change. Submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil in the authority that's delegated to you through the name of Jesus and he will what he will, he will contest it he will defy you no the bible said he will flee and in the greek it means to run as in panic if my wife sees a snake in the yard it don't have to be a rattlesnake or a copperhead or a coral snake it can be a little old black snake but my wife is going to run in panic do you like snakes? You don't like snakes? If your snake just come crawling underneath here right now, what would you do? you go there. <laughs> would you run? I'm going to tell you something. I might just outrun you. I'm not a snake person. Uh, they're probably good pets. You keep them in the glass and don't let them, you know, get too cozy lady came in goodwill the other day i'm sorry i was in there looking for a bargain but anyway amen in the g&w fashion shop it's a goodwill good bargains if i can get a coat for 6.97 still got the tag on it it says four hundred dollars i'm not ashamed to tell you where i got it i think i got a deal (laughs) <laughs> Hallelujah If I can get one that says irregular And it fits me perfect because I'm irregular Oy, what a deal Can you say man? Hallelujah Praise God A lady came in Goodwill and she had a python It was her pet And she didn't want to leave it in the hot car So she put the python around her neck And I don't know his name Frank or Merle or something she was calling him. <laughs> Merle the Python. Hey, we're in Plant City. is Redneck Town. You name me Merle, yeah. Bosipus the boa constrictor. She's walking. Yeah, you're. You know, <laughs> she's walking through the Goodwill with a python around her neck. He's about seven foot long. He looks like a passive guy. He's enjoying himself. She probably pets him all the time. But not everybody else is having a real issue. Because that lady walking down the aisle, you can see people. <laughs> They're getting to the walls, man. <laughs> Here come a, And then I hear people say, Is that woman got a snake? Is that a real snake? Is that a snake? Is that a snake? And pretty soon you can hear all over the store echoing, Snake! 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 Yeah. And the sweet lady from the Goodwill... Come and said, "Ma'am, <laughs> I'm sorry you're going to have to take Merle out of here. <laughs> you're going to have to put him in a cage, take him home and come back. And we're welcome to shop all you want, but it's bothering our customers. Well, of course it bothers the customers. Well, this lady was sick and tired of dealing with one who, in the garden, was defeated. In heaven, when the angels made war, he was defeated. And on earth, at the cross, he was defeated. And in the church of Jesus Christ, he is supposed to be defeated. Can you say man? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So, she heard that message on being seated with Christ far above all principality and power, and thou shalt tread on serpents. And so she let me know. She said, I got up, and I had the, the honky flu. That's what she called it. Now, I thought that was just flu for white people, but evidently it's, it's, it's flu when you, when you honk and cough and, and hack all day long. I love you, sister. I know I'm white. I know I'm white and I can't get down, but anyway. <laughs> she took her shoe off. And she wrote... A message to the enemy. And she said, devil, you are under my feet. And I am healed in Jesus' name. That's what she wrote on the bottom of her shoe. She said, I put on that shoe and went to work. And she said, I coughed all the way to work. I coughed coming into the station. I coughed sitting down at my desk. But she said, I just, every time I... Every time I put my foot down, I thought, I'm conquering the enemy. And Jesus is going to heal me. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not telling you to write messages on the bottom of your shoe. I'm just telling you there's victory in Jesus. Can you say amen? But this was her point of contact. This is something she felt to do. She did it. And she said, Brother Venable, God healed me before the day was over. A- amen. I used to have to take a week off from work to try to recover with antibiotics and everything else I could get. But she said, God healed me. I said that because there's victory in Jesus. And there's power in the name of Jesus. And that's because the enemy cannot withstand it. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is good today. There's victory in Jesus. Inside of me is a spirit that has been reborn. Hallelujah. That is eternal. And if this earthly tabernacle drops up here. Amen. Robert A. Venable is not going to drop with it. Amen. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present immediately with the Lord. Isn't that comforting to know today? Well then, Brother Venable, what's going to happen? When the trumpet sounds, amen, your spirit that is with God in a body that is temporary, a celestial body that is going to allow you to have full expression and recognition, is, he's going to reconstitute this body. And, it, oh, friend of mine, oh, no, he don't need that, that, that 300-year-old corpse to come out of the ground. Because we were sown corruptible. You dig somebody up after 300 years, you're going to find out they are corruptible. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And The Bible said, and I think it's Psalm 90, it said the, the, the body goes back to the dust, but we fly away. And they wrote a song about it. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. Not when the trump sounds. But when this body drops, can you say, man, to a land on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. That's why I said, when I, when I dropped this body, I said, I want to do what they did for my brother in law. I, I want them to have one of those trained doves that you let loose and it comes back to the owner, and they bring it to a funeral. Of course, I also wanted seven balloons, all white. I tell you I'm gonna have a funeral. You don't want to miss it. Can you say, man? We're gonna have a time. Glory be to God. <laughs> but but you know what happened? They're lowering that casket into that ground until they let that dove loose. And that white dove flies way up and he makes a big old circle around the whole cemetery and comes back to his owner. Because the last thing everybody's doing is not looking to a hole in the ground and a body, amen, that has no more use for it. It's host until the resurrection. Everybody's looking at that. They're looking up. They're looking up. They're looking up. They're looking up. Why are you preaching a funeral message this morning? I'm also talking about deliverance from demon powers and devils. But I'm also talking about the victory that's in Jesus. And I'm doing this because you can't hardly hear these things anymore. Can you say, man, you can't hear a lot about heaven. The earth is so earthbound and caught up in the material and the physical that the devil can sit on the front row and bind people and nobody's going to take any authority. He's comfortable sitting in church. Church. That ought to be the place that he is scared to death, that he is trembling with fear. Can you say, man? That ought to be the one place where the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus and the authority of Jesus and the accomplishment of Jesus at the cross kicks in. Because he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, there's victory in Jesus today. Hallelujah. There's victory in Jesus today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there's no church service, Brother Taylor, that attracts me. Because the preacher preaches so eloquently. And the choir sings so beautifully. And everybody has their offices and all the officers are doing their religious thing. I want victory in Jesus Christ I don't go there To sit through a service and leave like I walked in I go to be challenged I go to be changed Hallelujah Hallelujah Hallelujah! So up on our website Somewhere where the photos are There's a picture and I think it's Doug's old shoe Oh there it is Yeah I see Doug I see him way up there Acting like he's so tall and the God of peace, there's the scripture, shall soon crush Satan. Where? Where's the victory? Underneath your feet. Underneath your feet. Underneath our feet. Hallelujah. Because we what? We tread on serpents. And we are the sons and the saints of Almighty God, because of what Jesus has done at the cross. Can you say man, Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I love the the evangelist uh, Reinhard Bonnke's attitude. When he went to win India, and the devil will try to make you more aware of him than you are of Christ and his victory. He will always want the attention. So he sent his coordinating manager to set up the crusade, and in India, with all those gods and all the, all the resistance to Christianity, uh, it's heavy with the demonic. There are certain areas that are heavy with the demonic, and India, obviously, is one of those areas because of the invitation to the demonic in that nation. And look what the devil's done for India. Look at the poverty. The terrible hopelessness and helplessness and death and disease. The thief came to steal, kill, destroy. Christ said, I've come to give you life. And that more abundantly. But but the, pa- the evangelist was prayed up. And he knew who he was in Jesus. So the, the heaviness, he knew it's there. But it's not something that is going to cause me to back down or back off. He got off the plane he said... He met in the terminal, the guy that coordinated. He said, I've been here for a solid week. And he said, it's hard for me to even pray. It's hard for me to even think. It's hard for me to study my Bible. There's such a sense of the demonic and the and the oppression of the devil. And I love what this evangelist said. He said, that's strange. Ever since I got off the plane, all I'm feeling is the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. What are you feeling today? Are you more sensitive to the demonic? Does he come here? Oh, yes, he does. Because he knows full well if some of us, a few of us, and God forbid to him a bunch of us, amen, stand up and take our stand and take authority over him and over our homes and our children and we begin to do warfare in the heavenlies, amen, he's going to lose ground because it makes no difference to God to say by many or by few. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow. He also went to Africa to preach. <laughs> he, he said at the first meeting I had in Africa, he said there was about 500 people come. And he said, uh, Lord, you told me to reach Africa. How am I going to reach Africa with 500 people? How am I going to reach it? evangelistically? With only 500 coming and maybe only 50 out of the 500 coming to Christ. He said, the next night, tell them about the power and authority of my name. And in my name, tell the people that need deliverance and the people that need to be healed to stand forth. God is going to do it. And he argued with God and said, but I'm not Oral Roberts. I'm not T.L. Lowry. I'm, I'm, I'm just a preacher. <laughs> He said, I didn't tell them you to tell them about you. I told you to tell them about me. And so the next night, he said, Jesus is going to deliver you. Jesus is going to heal you. Jesus is going to set you free. The Christ that I preach is the Savior and the Sovereign, and he is Lord somebody who never had seen in their life, stone blind, and everybody knew they were blind. (laughs) Suddenly, they begin to say in their language... I can see, I can see, I can see, I can see. And the people that saw that blind person see said this Jesus he's telling us about, he is Lord. He's not just an American iconic religious figure. He is the Lord of Africa, the Lord of America, the Lord of Asia, the Lord of the Archangelium, the Lord of the universe. He has power over all the power of the enemy. And he was anointed to set free who? Whom Satan had oppressed. Can you say? Umbaha sandada bakataya. Hallelujah. It went from 500 to 5,000. And from 5,000 to 50,000. And from 50,000 to 100,000. And they bought their trucks to haul the biggest tent. The biggest portable structure in the world was a gospel tent in Africa. And the trucks, they got to haul it in. They bought the trucks cheap from Mohammar Gaddafi. <laughs> Using the devil's trucks to transport a gospel tent. Can you say man? What victory there is in Jesus. What victory. Oh, brother, Bimble, those trucks are demonized. Not when they put that tent in it. Can you say man? <laughs> Glory be to God. They had to, they had to get up and get out. Hallelujah. Praise God for victory in Jesus today. I'm excited about that victory. Glory to God. We got to close. It's late. But have you learned anything about heaven? About what's going to happen when you, when you drop the bone bag? Amen. Hallelujah. About war in heaven and fallen angels and, and demons that are under our feet. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Saw a preacher one time. A person couldn't talk, and and he was casting out. And somebody said, "This person has a a dumb spirit." He said they were all dumb because they because they followed they followed Satan instead of Jesus. Can you say, man? Then he got around to understanding what was being asked. Can you say, man? I tell you, Pentecostal preachers with authority—they used to get really, they used to get pretty wild friend of mine he was he found out that he's laying hands on people people were getting healed and the guy come up and he he tapped his chest like that because he had a heart problem and he's just casting out spirits of infirmity you know he wasn't just praying for the sick so he grabbed him and said lord in the name of jesus leave this man he put it right on his pacemaker he was trying to get the pacemaker to and the guy told him no no that's my pacemaker that's so, but when all the dust settles and the craziness and the goofiness of it, there's a reality, and you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And the Christian church, as A. W. Tozer put it, is weak and anemic. I'm not talking about the money and the influence of buildings and and people with PhDs. I'm talking about weak and anemic spiritually. Because she lives below her privilege of power. Can you say, man? i got to say this in closing again. I've said it so many times. But after Pearl Harbor, I was born in 47. January of 47, almost into 46. Just after World War II ended. And my daddy remembered visit vividly the announcement and you probably heard it in historic recordings the day the sunday morning they bombed pearl harbor it was a victory for japan a military victory on a level that they never saw again in the history of the war because they fought they they caught america sleeping and the planes come in And when people saw them, it was so beyond their belief that it could be happening, they didn't even alert for a while. So the planes were over their targets, dropping their torpedoes and bombs. I don't know if they had a loss. It was minuscule, minuscule. the losses to Japan. But the losses to America, they called it a day that will live on in infamy. It was like the Twin Towers back then. When all those ships went down, all those servicemen were killed. Thousands were killed. Admiral Yamamoto, in his memoirs, who coordinated that entire attack by sea, by aircraft carriers, when those pilots got back, they were elated. They were happy beyond words. They were so thrilled over such a victory. And they were drinking sake. Rice, wine, and celebrating. But when they went into the war room where Admiral Yamamoto was, when his captains and lieutenants came in, they saw a somber man looking very serious, not drinking and not toasty. And they wanted to know, why are you not celebrating such a great victory? And these are his immortal words. He said, the war is not over. The war has just begun, and I'm afraid that we have awakened a sleeping giant. Can you say, man, and did you know something? The giant woke up, and the giant stood up. Hallelujah. And the victory was wrought. Glory be to God. You know what's about to happen? You know what's about to happen through the persecution when all the people on the fence get off the fence? All the nominal Christians quit being nominal and start consecrating and devoting? When we, we've been pushed by the devil, plagued by the devil, defeated by the devil, defrauded by the devil, until I hope we're ready to stand up and defeat the devil for a change. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah! Glory to God. I believe the church of Jesus Christ, that's where he's vested this authority. I believe the church. Not all of it. The sleeping people are going to stay sleeping. Let the dead bury the dead, but come and follow Christ. But there's a warrior spirit, (laughs) hallelujah, being placed inside of those who will stand up. Instead of wringing their hands, start raising their hands and saying, Lord, you are sovereign over heaven and earth, demons and devils and forces, and we are not dependent upon our politicians. Lord, God, help us in heaven. If you think any one of your favorite politicians can turn this thing around, amen, that's not fair to them, and you're crazy for thinking it. We need a move of God in America, and it begins in the church of Jesus Christ where the power is. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 And I pray God will anoint somebody to step into that mess that will get down on their knees in the Oval Office and call on Almighty God for wisdom and strength and help and guidance. Amen. Woo! And I pray those that sit, how do we pray for the Supreme Court? Pray that the fear of God get up under those black robes. Can you say amen and shake them until their teeth rattle? no, I'm not praying God bless them. I'm praying the fear of the Lord fall on them. That you're not just going to answer to your constituents or to the culture. You're going to answer to Almighty God my god is still lord my king is still mighty to save and deliver and set free hallelujah and i don't have to write it on the bottom of my shoe because it's engraved on my heart can you say amen hallelujah 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 will you stand up and let's praise it Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Yes, let's give Him praise. Let's give Him praise. I want to surrender to His Lordship more than I ever have in all of my life. Praise God. I want to see victory in my generation. I want to see people amen, that come out of Satan's prison house. I want to hear the sound of joy from people who have been singing the blues their entire life. I want to see people amen with smiles on their faces again that live in a frown and live cast down. I want them to taste something that makes them never want to go back to the compromise and the sin that is helping the enemy defeat them. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I want to see true repentance in the church of Jesus Christ and I want to see the sleeping giant stand up and I want to see my King glorified before he comes brother taylor i want to see him glorified blessed be his name blessed be his name blessed be his name blessed be his name hallelujah hallelujah